Hello and welcome back. It's time for Say What, where we hear from those connected to the industry about what's going on in our world of electrical apprenticeship. And we're grateful to you for the suggestions you provide. Please keep those coming. I'm your host, Cindy Sandifer, and I'm joined by Todd Stafford, our executive director. June is Pride Month, and we celebrate with our LGBTQ siblings. Our industry understands pride very well. Um, the work that we do gives us a deep satisfaction for ourselves and for those who are a part of our brother and sisterhood. And another thing that we can take pride in is who we are and the commitment that we have made for those that we work with, for the communities that are involved with us, and for those we represent. In September of 2022, at the IBW Women's Conference, I met our two guests and I was touched by their stories and wanted you to have a chance to hear from them too. So please welcome Lise and Liv. Tell me a little bit about you, because you shared your story at the Women's Conference. First of all, what was that like being there, being a part of that, being on that stage? What did you think of that? Oh, that was intimidating, uh, but it was awesome. I was really excited to be able to do that. Um, managed to piece that together with relatively short notice, uh, which was great. Um, so that is only the, um, I think the second time that I've really shared my story publicly. It's the first time that I've shared it on its own, um, rather than it just being a um, portion of answering a question or something like that. Um, but it was, uh, you know, very well received, which was nice. Um, I, I didn't expect it to be received poorly, but, you know, it's a very, uh, sensitive subject and story and not completely positive. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were flawless. I mean, being, being someone sitting in the audience, uh, it captured my attention. That's why I was talking to Todd. And I'm like, I have found, you don't even know, a podcast guest. Like, I, like we have to do this. Um, so I guess let's talk about how did you become a part of this industry, becoming an electrical worker, like becoming a journey worker? How did that start for you? Yeah. Uh, so I started doing uh, hotel maintenance in 2014, uh, moved on to apartment maintenance, then industrial air compressors for about a year and a half, um, and then uh, moved from Kentucky to Washington. And when I got here to Whidbey, I was like, well, I need to find some kind of work I can do. There's no industrial air compressors on Whidbey Island. Um, so I just started applying for places. I did one day of concrete work and swore I'd never do it again. Um, <laughs> and then I, uh, got on with a local HVAC company. Um, and I ended up being with them for about two and a half to three years before I got laid off for COVID. Um, wasn't surprised by that. It was a family run business. I was the only one whose last name didn't match the company. So uh, it was, you know, no, no hurt feelings or anything like that. Um, so I applied for the IBW apprenticeship in uh, January of 2020, 
and uh, wasn't the best time to apply. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I had been thinking about doing it for a while just because electrical was the work that I enjoyed the most. Um, And so I put in my application and set up a uh, test date and was ready to go. And then lockdown happened and all of that got pushed back by about uh, 10 months. Mm. So eventually interviewed in November of 2020 uh, after taking my test and then was told that I was in in December of 2020. Um, Continued to sit on the list until November of 2021 when I got to start work. So I had about 20 months of hanging out at home and uh, just relaxing and doing whatever I wanted to do. So it was a, a long stretch, but it was a good stretch. Um, so I started my apprenticeship November 2021, and I've been loving it ever since then. It's been great. Um, as far as how that connects to my story, uh, I also came out to my wife and several other people subsequently uh, in April of 2020. One April of 2021. So it's been almost two years. Um, But that was during lockdown. And that was during a period that I had already been accepted to the IBW and uh, had even been through orientation. And suddenly I was going to have to change all of my paperwork um, before I could start work. And so Uh, That ended up delaying my start just by a little bit, but it was mostly that it was, you know, what if they make me reapply? What if I have to, you know, uh, really push my start date? Uh, Because I had a lot of identifications in Washington, Um, all of my previous licenses, as well as uh, I had a, um, what's called a TWIC card out here. Um, that allows me to work on the refineries. And so I have to do uh, like a passport interview and all of that for it. And I already had that. So I had to work with them to get that redone. Um, So it was a lengthy process, but luckily my JATC made it as easy as it could be. And they were great and they've uh, been super supportive and helpful every step of the way. So that's been awesome. That is wonderful. When you start talking about paperwork, so I worked at a JTC and did like some administrative work. So it's like anytime somebody had to change their paperwork, like I knew they were pulling their hair out. I'm pulling mine out like, oh my gosh. So when you're talking about that, I'm thinking just trying to change your license or anything. So that's like a whole different. Administrative nightmare is just tremendous, right? Administrative nightmare. I don't know how you get over that. That's just terrible. Oh, right. the experiences of that just brings nightmares, really. Think about yeah. the amount and magnitude. Wow. Right. So you're dealing with, I mean, you've got COVID happening. You've you've been out there for a minute, right? You've been in Washington for a little bit by this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, yeah. So, I, and I keep saying becoming a journey worker. You're on your way to becoming a journey worker. What year are you in now? Uh, second year. Second year. Okay. Yeah, that's. I mean, none of them are easy, but I'm like, you know, it's like you made it through the first year, but now it's that 
kind of that second year. First year is learning. Fall, second year that really gets you right. First year is learning orientation wise. Second year it really throws it at you. And third, fourth, and fifth, you're going to enjoy a little more, I think. But uh, this, you've proven you want to be there now. It's going to succeed. Yes. You, you get it. Yeah. yeah. And we've actually, uh, our, our JTC is one of the ones that's moved to a four year program. Um, so we just take those five years and compress them a little bit. Right. Well, the accelerated <laughs> um, model referred to. It's works quite well to get you out quicker because we can do that. You get the same education. People understand yeah. that. Same model JT hours. Just accelerate the model. Yep. Yeah. So I'm I'm already through uh, three quarters of the way through AC theory, and that's been good. Um, got through transformers. So you know I've I've been told that I'm through most of the worst of it. <laughs> so. <laughs> I've never gone through it, so Todd has to speak to that. I yeah, I just I'm looking at like you're halfway there. Well, yeah. all the heavy theory you have to discuss before you can talk about transformers and motor. You have to go through all this. Thing. Understand how to discuss when we talk motor control. What happens? You got to know that. But the good part starts now. Mm. Right. Okay. Yeah. The fun once you can apply it. I think that's when you're like, okay, this matches what I do in the field, and that part seems like it would be to me that would be the exciting part. Um, so. Liv, you shared your story at the women's conference, as I mentioned. Is there any, like, I don't, I I don't want to make you, you know, have to tell that again, but as much of it as you're willing to, t to share, but you talked about ups and downs. You talked about, you know, what it's been like being in the industry. And I just wanted you, you know, whatever you're willing to talk with us about, you know, you mentioned the support of your JTC. What about, you know, your coworkers, fellow apprentices? Like, what, what's that been like? Sure. Yeah. Um, you've heard the story and I'm, I'm happy to share pretty much everything about it, um, including any details that I maybe forgot back then that I'll suddenly remember. Um, <laughs> so like I said, I, uh, I came to understand who I am and uh, be able to accept that <laughs> in early uh, 2021. And um, I ended up keeping a journal every day for just about a month uh, before I decided to come up to my wife because you get those thoughts of, uh, you know, needing reassurance, needing to feel the same way every day about something. Uh, I, I say you, it's it's me. It's a lot of people like me um, that, you know, you get fed so much stuff where it's like, oh, you're influenced by social media and um it's like, no, this is, you know, I've avoided everything for 30 days except just myself, and this is who I am. Um, so I talked with my wife, and uh, she has been the biggest supporter of me through everything, which has been great. Um, she didn't skip a beat on being right there for me. Um, you know, it, it involves a lot of changes. Luckily, uh, we had been married for four years at that point, just about. Um, no, four years, because I think we've been together just over six now. Um, and uh, so she knows who I am as a person, and that doesn't change. Um, so it was, you know, wasn't easy, but it was much easier because I had her. Um, so I changed my documents and my presentation over the summer and fall of 2021 
just in time to start work with the apprenticeship. Um, so I was very happy that I, I didn't have to uh, change my presentation while working. I was really fortunate in that. I, I know a lot of people that have, and it makes it a lot harder when somebody knows what your name used to be and the pronouns you used to use. Um, so I've been really fortunate there. Um, the JATC, like I said, was great every step of the way. Um, I, I couldn't have asked for better help from them. They've been awesome. And uh, once I started working, uh, you know, I always wanted to be involved in my local. So I started attending meetings as soon as I could and getting to know some of the people. Uh, I got to know my um, two local reps that I went to the most. There's a couple of others that split other positions as far as being a rep and an organizer and things like that. Um, so I went to the two that were specifically just reps and got to know them well and uh, comfortable enough to come out to them. And they were great, both uh, super supportive. So that made me comfortable. And then I started getting involved on committees. Um, I'm on as many committees as I can be with my local. Um, <laughs> So that's been great. Just this last week, uh, I was appointed as the vice president for our uh, Electrical Workers Minority Caucus chapter. So that was great. I was really excited for that. Um, but uh, started work in November of 2021. And then December of 2021 is when I came out to my family. Um, I waited till that point because I was waiting for my parents to visit, uh, which was an interesting visit uh, because I was um, wearing a hoodie the entire time and trying to hide my face behind a hat and things like that um, because I'd already been on new hormones for six months at that point nearly. Um, and so uh, they all were kind of getting together for Christmas. Um, I did not want to fly out to Maryland for Christmas because that's a long trip and it's just not the place I wanted to be. Um, so I ended up doing it through email. Uh, it was the way that I felt most comfortable. And um, I've got a brother and sister, uh, both of them older, who have been awesome and supportive people. And uh, I have a little brother who lives out towards my parents and he's kind of uh, sticking with them as far as how they stand on things. Um, my dad, as you may remember, is a Southern Baptist preacher from South Carolina, now living in Maryland. Um, so both he and my mom have stuck with uh, the religious perspective. Um, my mom tried to self-diagnose me as bipolar, which I in no way show any signs of. Um, and so I, I haven't talked to them since they responded to those emails uh, just over a year at this point. Um, haven't heard from them, haven't reached out to them and, you know, uh, don't really have any intention to. Last I heard from them, they were offering to fly me out to Maryland for conversion therapy. So I'm going to hang out here in Washington. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I uh, started building my family with my local, which was great. Um, February of 2021, 
Nope. February of 2022. <laughs> I have to keep these dates right. Um, <laughs> uh, my wife and I uh, came out to her parents, who we were sharing a house with. Um, so we ended up being asked to leave. Um, so we moved in April of 2022. So I'm now in our lovely apartment that we have, and we just renewed our lease on. Um, so it's been nice to have this space of our own uh, that's always full of just people that love and accept us. And, uh, you know, that catches us up to last year. Um, as far as my personal story, that's, that's where it's at. Uh, then things essentially stop being about me and start being about the organization that I've uh, started. Um, not that I'm not still in there and doing things, but <laughs> that, uh, you know, that really took over my, um, my focus and the story that I like to tell. So yeah, and I'm happy I, to talk about that too, but <laughs> yes. And, and I do, I do want you to talk about that. I think one, one of the many things that stood out, you know, is how you, and you've already said it, like how the the apprenticeship, the local union, you know, the people that you were working with and for have become your family. You've obviously, you know, both you and your wife have been through some, some tough times. And to know that this brother, sister, siblinghood has been able to be there for you and support you. I mean, it was just, to me, it was so touching because it's who we say we are, but to see it in action and not just word was, you know, to me, very powerful. And then you've taken it a step further with the organization that you're, you're, or is it, are you calling it an organization? I want to make sure I'm using that's, that's the terminology the, you want to it, use. It's the, the term I typically lean towards. Um, but I mean, that's, it's so early at this point, that it's hard to yeah. say. Um, I'm not sure I've had someone else refer to it as a club and I was like, yeah, it's kind of like a club, but yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be, I wanted to feel just a little more serious than club. <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. So tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Um, March of 2022, um, I started talking with another trans woman on Reddit uh, after I saw that she made a post about uh, feeling like the only trans person in the IBW. Um, and then me and three or four other people comment and we were like, Hey, I'm here too. Um, and then we realized that we had no support network that we were a part of, and we didn't have other people we were talking to. We all just assumed we were alone. Um, so, uh, we set up a discord server and invited the people that we knew to that. Um, the people that we knew being the ones from that post. So it was only a, a small handful. Um, so from that point forward for the next several weeks, every time I was up late at night or got to work early, I spent my time scrolling through social media, just trying to find as many people as I could. Um, within a couple of weeks, we were at, I, I believe, 22 members. Um, so that was awesome to have and to realize that there were so many people that uh, were out there and that needed that support. Um, as of today, it has been almost a year since we were founded, and uh, we are currently at 69 members in 
uh, I want to say 30 locals across the international. Um, and as of this week, I am waiting to hear back from the uh, Washington Secretary of State to be officially registered. I was hoping it would be done by this so I could say it, but I'm still waiting. Um, so it is being reviewed, it is submitted. Uh, so I've, I've got my fingers crossed it all goes smoothly and then we'll be ready to start taking those next steps. Um, but it's it's been it's been unbelievable to be honest. Um, I never would have thought that I would be where I am in just a year. I mean, um, in let's see, in July I believe of 2022. Uh, so that was within three months of us starting. Uh, I was getting to be on a panel uh, for Pride at Work at their conference. And then shortly after that, uh, I got to speak a little bit at LERC in Oregon, their, let's see, Labor Education and Research Center Summer School. Um, so I got to speak just during one of the classes that I attended was about diversity and inclusion. Um, and they decided to create a little bit of space for me to talk about what we're doing. Um, and then uh, I got to speak at the women's conference shortly after um, being at Pride at Work because I met uh, Rennie Bly there and um, you know she just put things in motions and helped it all fall together for us. Um, and so the support I've had from her and from Tarn at the International mm -hmm. um, and from essentially anyone in the IBW infrastructure um, that I've said, hey, this is what we're doing. Uh, they're like, okay, great. This is what we need. Nobody's known how to do it. And so like you have our support, get it done. <laughs> um, so we're, we're really excited for what we're doing. Uh, we've managed to have some of our members reach out to uh, local 332 in uh, California, San Jose, I believe, and uh, to get um, gender affirming care covered by their healthcare board. Um, so we managed to do that late last year. So that was great to get that coverage for them. Um, so we're hoping to do that at more and more locals. And um, that's our priority at this point. Uh, we're doing things on smaller scales as far as trying to get more involved in our individual locals. Um, I'm currently set up to start working uh, with my local on some of the language for our next contract, um, just to make sure that it's as inclusive as it can be. And, um, you know, just changing some of the language, nothing as far as the contract itself is concerned, but just making sure the language is right. Um, so that's you know, really exciting work for me. Um, and so I'm I'm thrilled to get that opportunity um, and that my business manager and everyone uh, at those levels, you know, is excited whenever I ask if I can help with those things. <laughs> so it's been awesome. Yeah. And that like when you were speaking, obviously now too, but at the women's conference, it was that I, that 
the whole idea of we're, we've got these DEIMB efforts that we're pushing through NECA, IBW, us, the ETA, and then we're working together to become a better industry. I mean, it's really just about becoming better. And so your story was encouraging in the experience you had, you know, with, with your siblings at, on the job. And then, you know, to see what you're saying, okay, I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to make myself vulnerable. You know, I'm going to talk about this and I'm going to look for those who feel on the outside or that they can't be themselves. And I think you guys mentioned, you know, there was someone that was contemplating, you know, ending their life because it just felt so lonely and being able to create something where you're advocating and supporting people that are having similar experiences to yours and then making room for allies, you know, for those of us that are saying, I don't have your experience. I don't know what it's like. Maybe it's new to me. You even mentioned maybe it's uncomfortable to me, but we're here together. We're doing this together. And this is about our industry and it's bigger than any one of us. And just as you, you shared that message, I think it was again, just super powerful, um, to see what's happening and how we are becoming a place where everyone, you know, should feel like they belong. Yeah, and our union does just that, Cindy. Exactly right, Liv, as well. If we can do nothing else, we can support. That's who we are, we should be doing. Where is that? Make somebody feel comfortable, accepted, no matter who you are, where you're from, your background, it doesn't matter. Try to make people accepted. We're not here to create an organization trying to judge anyone any kind of way. We're here to support. That's all it is. So make people happy. Right. Absolutely. So Liv, just, you know, kind of as we're, we're thinking through, like closing this out, you know, what would you want you know, you've got this opportunity, what would you say to the industry, to your brothers, sisters, siblings, um, you know, as far as moving forward, how they can be supportive, you know, be allies. If, if they're on the job, I think a lot of times, I think, I think most people aren't out to hurt. They just don't know, you know, what it's not, it's something new. It's, it's a different experience. Like it's been predominantly white men, right? That's what our industry has been straight white men, you know? And so it's like, okay, now that we're trying to become more inclusive, whoever that becomes, and we've been working with a group that's done some focus work, um, or excuse me, focus groups with black women, you know, and hearing the experiences there and kind of like you talked about being the only person at their JTC, the only person on the job. And so what are, like, what would, what do you think we need to know as far as how do we advocate and support someone, anyone, right, that, that is, that's in need of it, right, or just needs to feel and know that they belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, the biggest thing that's helpful to people is, uh, you know, it, it's not to try to be perfect, it's just to try to be helpful. I mean, um, as far as I know with my JTC, whenever they were approaching it, it's, you uh, you know, it's a lot of, we don't know exactly what steps we need to take, but we're here to take them with you. Um, and so that's uh, a huge help for people. Um, like I said, I was fortunate in that I, I transitioned before I started work. Um, so while I'm not out to my coworkers, um, as far as I've never had anyone on a job site ask me if I'm trans and I've never told anyone I'm trans, um, I'm out to select coworkers that I'm friends with or on committees with. Um, and I've never run into any issues on uh, any of my job sites. And 
you know, the, the biggest thing is that the IBW as a whole is supportive and hopefully we can start getting that message out to the local levels as well, um, that that's where they need to be at as an industry where having more and more members getting closer to retirement and we have to get the younger generations in and the younger generations are fighting hard for their inclusion um, and the inclusion of others. And that's the way that it should be. Um, so, you know, just be considerate of people, treat them like human beings. You know, if somebody tells you their name, use that name. If they tell you pronouns, use that pronoun. Um, it's always nice for someone to offer up their pronouns first. Um, you know, if, if it's a, a business manager opening a meeting, just to throw it in there, even though it's never been questioned or anything, it creates that space for someone else to be able to uh, use one that someone else may not have assumed. Um, so, you know, the big thing for the people like me that are out there is that there are, you know, plenty of us and uh, more and more of us are getting together and we've got the support behind us and we're going to do some awesome things in the future um so i'm really excited for where we get to go and what we get to do um and i'm just thrilled that i get to be a part of it <laughs> yeah you use the word with and i think that's so much of it is with right so let's say the pronouns right me being sharing mine first creates a with you know, and that doesn't isolate or cause someone else to have to correct or have to say it. It's like, I can create that safer space. And I think that's what this is about. And I saw Todd shaking his head um, or nodding. I always say that wrong. Shaking is this, right? And Shaking nodding is, is no, this. nodding is So you were nodding. Story. I saw Todd nodding his head. Um, you know, when it's like, just be good to people, right? Treat people well. There's, it doesn't cost us anything you know, to do that. And it really does just make places better, right? It makes the work environment better, the classroom better, wherever we are, the gas station, right? The store, you know, just if we're treating people with respect and yeah, again, just, I'm so appreciative of you taking the time to do this and, and share your story and no doubt helping a lot of people, you know, hearing from you. So all the different places that you've done it and all the things that are to come. I'm, I'm very excited and hope to be able to support and be an ally for you. Live as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you both for having me. I, I greatly appreciate the opportunity. I've been thrilled for it since we met in September. So I, I am so glad to be able to be here. IBW Women's Conference, September 2022. I was um, in one of the sessions where you were a panelist and it just like, how did you get there? How did that come about you being a part of the conference? I almost can't even believe it myself. Um, my, I mean, honestly, it does tie in back into my story. Um, I was just a scared transitioning person on a construction site. And I, I was just, I was just able to find the right people in my life to keep me going. And that led us to making an organization. I helped co-found the Advocacy Coalition for Transgender Siblings. Um, I am unfortunately not with that organization anymore, but that had led us to getting in contact with um, Rennie Bly, 
who was a huge supporter, we got invited to Pride at Work to speak at their panel. And then from there, it just sort of exploded. And then so, honestly, it feels like a whirlwind. Um, I, I was able to be part of that panel and um, we were trying to figure out who would do the panel and who besides the co-president would um, also do the standing up part. And I, I think um, Rennie Bly, who for reference for anyone who doesn't know her, um, is this amazingly powerful woman at the IO. And um, I think she recognized, like we were mentioning earlier before, um, that I have a ability to keep talking. And if I, I, I do best in situations where it's like, I have a lot of space to talk. Um, and so it was a natural thing, be on the three hour panel. Um, and that panel was really, I, I did a lot of crying after that panel that nobody saw because um, all within this one year period, I realized that I had made a lot of change and had a lot of people change my life. Um, the panel was all about intersectionality, but for me, it was more about that room contains my past, present and future. Um, there was someone in that panel, Tisha, who um, supported me when I first started coming out and was like, you're gonna be okay. Um, this is not gonna be, it's gonna be scary as you think it is, but it's not gonna be as bad as you think it is. And that sort of represented my past. And um, there was someone that was part of that group um, who I knew who was sitting in there to watch the panel and had we had helped um, them kind of work through some hard times that transitioning in a more Southern area um, brought with it. And then the, honestly, the most special part for it, of it for, for me was that when um, one of the uh, moderators asked for everyone to introduce themselves by name, someone stood up and said, I'm blank, but you know what? Like, I actually prefer to be called this and I use these pronouns. And I realized in that moment that we were the first group they'd told, like that the story was actually helping people. And um, it was almost this magical thing where everything was in the room at the same time. Like it wasn't like, it was like staring into honestly, almost like infinity, like seeing like everything you've worked so hard just represented in one room and to be on that panel with people like Elise Bryant who have been doing civil rights for almost like 30 years and to just feel completely humbled. I actually wrote an email after that panel saying like, I can't believe that I was on a panel with such illustrious people. And to get back, no, we were honored to be with that panel with you. You have quite a story and you're gonna, you're gonna help a lot of people through this. And I, Honestly, there's been a lot more cry positive crying in the last year than there has been crying my entire life. So um, it's been it's been quite the roller coaster. Yeah, and you know who I remember? Uh, Grace Smith, the vice president of the EWMC, was in there, and so and on the panel. And I do remember that moment you talked about. You know, for that person to stand up and say, and it was it was beautiful and it felt safe um, and I also remember someone was recording you because wasn't it it was one of your first I think speaking engagements or just being it was actually um, 
Christina from my original home local, um, San Diego Five Sigma. And she, I think, actually just won a elected official position. So congrats to her. Um, but uh, it was it was very humbling. I had like the panel had a rule, no filming, but I had asked if just the parts where I'm talking, can I be filmed? Because believe it or not, that was my second time ever speaking in public. Like that women's conference, there's only one event in my life that makes me feel more solidarity, solidarity than that. And that would have been the NAM2 women's conference. And I think that's just based on scale going from 700 women to 3,300, but mm. That panel was magical, and um, I'm glad that it helped even just one person. Yeah, and being an, an audience member, a participant of it, I can say it absolutely was was magical. So you you've agreed to share your story. So you know, and I I leave it to you to share what you want. You shared some of it during the panel, and it was moving and and powerful, just like the entire time was. So I, I you know asked if you would just share a little bit of that with us today. We're actually a week from, today is a week from the anniversary of where this story starts. Um, I have been transitioning in secret since October, 2021. Um, and by October 20, or by May, March, 2022, I was running out of essentially room in my hoodie to hide and it was getting warmer. So I was going to have to be exposed. Um, I was terrified. I had been on job sites where someone wrote in the bathroom, if uh, the government would only let them, they'd shoot every queer on this job site. And thankfully, that's the first contractor where I saw they actually took that serious and called the police and the FBI. Um, but beyond that, I was very, very scared and very terrified. And that led me into the middle of March of 2022, where I was standing on the roof of my building with my sister screaming, please don't leave me. And I know I wouldn't swear, but <laughs> that one's important. Yeah. Um, and from there, I just, I felt insanely lost. I felt like I was up on that roof because I was like, I was bullied so much as a straight white male. How was I ever going to survive being, um, being harassed as a trans woman? And I honestly thought at that point that I was the only one, or I might be like one of three nationwide. And then um, I met someone on Reddit, and I think it's one of your other panelists. And um, we speaking together made me start to realize that we, we weren't alone. And then we started saying like, well, we should get them all together on like Discord, um, which is like a chat service that a lot of younger people use. And it started with, I think, like six or seven, and then it exploded to 20. And then by the time I left in October, we were up to, I think, 67. Um, and that's just people we found who identify as transgender, people who are in hiding, people who, um, people who we heard too often the story, I thought I was the only one. I thought that it was me. And, um, we had been trying to get the message out in secret to queer spaces, trying to very much keep it on the down low because the community was so new that we opened it up and then someone got in to be invasive or antagonistic, we could lose everything. Um, and that led us to Pride at Work. Pride at Work wanted us to speak because we were apparently the first organization they had heard of 
that was a construction-based transgender affinity group. And that made us very proud. And um, that led to the women's conference, which was a, just a wonderful, wonderful experience. And the women of the IBW never batted an eye. They never once looked the other way. They never questioned what bathroom I was going into. I got more hugs at the women's conference than I think I had gotten the rest of my entire life. Like I couldn't walk down the room without people wanting to talk to me. Um, and uh, it was just, I made so many really good friends there. And I'm proud to say that as of a month ago, I have refounded the South Bay Pride at Work chapter and I was elected president. And we are currently at 15 subscribed members and we got our first union to sign on as of last week. And oh, it, it's only the start. I have big lofty goals. Um, one of my favorite quote is um, from a book series is, um, what is the point of lofty goals if not to inspire us to do something lofty? And I, love um, that. I have set my goal at we're going to be the number one membership by the end of the year. Um, because our, our chapter is based on allyship. Um, this organization isn't going to be just trans people or just um, LGBTQ members because in the trades, one of the hardest things about being closeted is you don't know who supports you and you have no way of knowing who supports you and having an organization where someone walks around with a pin that says like i'm a lgbtq ally and they do that on a construction zone changes everything um the first person i openly came out to um at sprig electric was um a woman named val and i only was able to come out to her because of a casual coincidence that she happened to say the word dysphoria in a proper use in conversation and everything clicked. I was like, this woman understands, this woman knows what we're talking about and what, and that gave me, and granted, it took me almost 20 or 30 minutes to work up the courage. But I said, I'm, I'm like that person you were talking about. And he has been supportive ever since. And she was like, oh, that's wonderful. Anyone gives you trouble, I will take them out. Like, I will walk you out <laughs> if you need to. Val is a very scary woman and I love her to death. So I'm glad she's on my side. Um, but um, I, had, I, I had another foreman who thankfully figured it out during my transition. Couldn't say it, couldn't bring himself to say it because he knew I was closeted. But um, he said one of the most beautiful things to me that I'll ever remember. And I doubt Chris Hollinger is ever going to watch this. So I'm just gonna say it. Um, mm -hmm. I said, or I had asked him on my last day on that job site if he'd figured me out. And he gives me this cute little coy smile, like figured what out? <laughs> and then he, <laughs> I, I prodded him a little more and he's like, all I wanna say, and of course he used my, my old name, um, all I want to say, Lise, is that you have done an amazing job to thrive in a testosterone-fueled environment, and I would be happy to have you on my job site any day of the week. Mm -hmm. And that gave me the strength to keep going and to keep standing up and to keep showing up to a construction job where I thought I would never be allowed to be out. 
Right. And that's one thing I remember. Thank you, first of all, for sharing that. It, it was, I've still got some mascara on, so I'm good. Um, but, it, like, I, the allyship, I, I see you then and now and through our conversations, you don't just ally for the LGBTQ community, as you pointed out, you're an ally for anybody that needs it. And that's straight white men. And you, like, I've heard you talk and it's like, no, we can do this. We can work on this together. Like you, I believe you told a story about someone that was like, I'm not working with someone like that. And then they had the opportunity to get to know you. So you didn't shut them out. You didn't just completely, you know, disregard that person. You took the time to let them get to know you and you get to know them and now, you know, and then it's like, oh, okay, this is fine, you know, and, and I appreciate that about you, that it's not just, you know, that you're, it's not about just what you're for, you know what I mean? You're, you're also trying to bring people along on that journey. Yeah, I, um, I've, I realized in my transition that I might have figured out what I was decades prior, because despite what everyone thinks, I'm not 24, I'm 37. Um, <laughs> I might have figured it out a lot earlier if my encounters with the LGBTQ community had been positive when I thought I was a straight white male and my thoughts in the background were going like, I understand, I understand. But um, uh, to go back to the quotes and I, I warn you, I make quotes all the time from the same series. Um, <laughs> the, that series is um, anything by Brandon Sanderson. He's amazing. Um, one of the O's in, the, in one of his books is that um, I will protect those who cannot protect themselves. I will protect even those I hate so long as it is right. And I will accept that there will be those I cannot protect. Mm -hmm. And those words have really sunk in to me because if someone had protected me when I was learning and in that state where like I needed someone LGBTQ to talk to or I was questioning, I might've found my life my happy, better life sooner. And you never know who, who an ally is and you never know who, who, you never really know with the closeted culture who is having these questions about themselves. Um, because like you don't make allies with, um, by attacking people um, since this, you know, we're union. It's, you don't make allies by attacking the iron workers. You make allies by having a beer with the iron workers and then making sure you don't have that seventh beer with the iron workers because <laughs> <laughs> one of us has to drive home. Yeah. And you're not, uh, not going to out drink to iron workers, not going to have it. <laughs> oh, no. Um, at NAPSU, I got the pleasure of being with um, some iron workers at Utah, out of Utah. And I was like, don't drink with Utah. No. <laughs> someone was like we're gonna go drink with them and i was like don't like they can handle way more than you can um kind of leads me to talking about brian moore the best ally that i've ever met um brian moore was my first foreman when i walked onto a job site with my new name i showed up on the job site and i was terrified i'm like i'm gonna get sent home i'm gonna get harassed they will find a reason to get rid of me and I walked on a job site and asked if HR had told him I was coming. I'm like, he's like, no, but here's the prints. Go work on it. And he didn't make a big fuss out of it. He was super friendly and just put me to work and had me working with people. And I only found out weeks later that after that in, in 
after that encounter, he walked into the GC's office and told them that he has a trans woman on the job site. And if anyone mistreats her, he is going to take the appropriate steps. Mm -hmm. And he told his entire crew, no one is going to F with Lise because she deserves to work here. They put her here for a reason and we're gonna let her work. And the mm -hmm. fact that I never, I didn't find that out for weeks and weeks. And um, he's just been since that day, such a wonderful ally and foreman and Brian is the kind of ally we all kind of need. And sometimes he jokes that I talk about him too much or I name drop him too much. And that's because I feel like everyone needs a Brian. Uh, they need that ally and we need that kind of allyship to be out there and more public. Um, mm -hmm. Like it's, it was a no nonsense, like sort of just camaraderie. It, um, he just never once blinked an eye at what I was. And then when he saw that I was making huge changes and fighting for my community, he did what needed to be done and stood up and said, your community deserves fighting for it. And you're an amazing voice for it and has been helping ever since. And I'm now the president of the South Bay Pride at Work chapter. Um, and I struggled for a few months to find another queer person who wanted to stand up for that because it's hard and challenging to go to a queer community that's used to being beaten up and bullied and threatened and say, stand up with me. And mm. Brian said, I'll do it. Brian's like, I'll step down once you find someone who's queer and wants the position. And hopefully Brian doesn't watch this because I'm gonna talk him out of it. But, um, <laughs> uh, he just the fact that he was willing to put his time and his energy on the line and um, spend slightly less time with his family to make sure that this this justice happens that this that people in all trades understand that they have a they deserve a place to be and that beyond that that tr unions are an amazing place for LGBTQ people to to be. I make the same wage that my coworkers do, and I'm female and transgender. In any other industry, I make 35% less. But here, that's not even an option. I don't make 1% less. I get the same work opportunities, and my gender is nowhere written on the form for whether or not I'm going to work. They don't even get to see my name before I show up to the job site. And that, to me, is just amazing. Like, why would you not want to push LGBTQ people towards unionizing, especially with the electrical trade, which is leading the way now. The IBW is doing a great job at changing that culture. My main goal in life right now is to make sure that nobody ends up on their own roof, especially if they don't have an Erica like I did to stand there and say, please don't effing leave me. Um, because it happens all too often. Harassment happens way too often. and. Um, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like the allyship is there, but a lot of them don't even know the outlet to use. Like they, they don't necessarily know how, and they don't know that they can without crossing, crossing barriers. Um, you know, this idea of protection and safety 
And I mean, safety is something we, we talk about all the time in this industry. It's some of the first training we go through, CPR, first aid, OSHA 10, you know, and creating that place of protection and, you know, be Brian. I mean, that's like, like I, I have a new hashtag for my life, you know, be Brian, be like Brian. Um, so tell him I'm going to be dropping his name. <laughs> oh, tell him it's over. Like now I, I've got that and I'm going to run with it. But, um, but no, I, I appreciate so much your, like, again, your candor, your transparency as you pointed out it's not for everyone right everyone some people may not want to talk about it but the point that 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 I see is like letting people know it's okay to be you and whatever you means it's okay you're here you're you know and and like you said short men there's there's statistics on you know whether it's size height like there's all those things that you pointed to that you get paid differently in in a non-union space right you get paid differently based upon things you cannot change and so it's just this, anyway, all that to say, like, we, we appreciate you so much and you taking the time to share and be here and be so open with us. Todd, I don't know if there's anything like you want to say before we close out, but. No, I think I messed up anything has been said. I just ruined what's already been created and shown as our brotherhood and sisterhood and what we are, what we're about, exactly what we're about, inclusion and our support. Absolutely. If I can say one more thing, just before closing out. Of course. A lot of the LGBTQ spaces right now are operating on almost a complete void of hope. A lot of people have lost hope. And um, I think a lot, of the, a lot of lashing out happens because they feel they can't be out there. And sometimes it just takes like a someone who's being a Brian to suddenly turn the little spark of hope that you are into this bonfire. Um, I just wanna be that hope for other people. I want others to, to feel that they can see someone they can, they can see themselves in and be the person that I never had. Or I want, I want to make a world where Brian isn't necessary as much as I love that man, but I, I'm gonna hold on to him for myself, but like, I just want to create a world where they don't need a Brian to know they can be part of the IB. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And all right, Todd, we got to meet Olivia Liv and Lise Sarah. I heard her say Lise, so I'm going to call them by Liv and Lise. But what are your thoughts after, after hearing from both of them? Well, I see our industry is doing what we saw our leadership ask us to do include everyone in the industry as being part of our industry is you're important no matter who you are and our support mechanism within the union is strong i like seeing that uh, as we help our brothers and sisters grow and always um, we're there to support and help no matter what the challenges we're going to face and see we don't know what they're going to be tomorrow we don't know nor does anyone else know what the challenges are going to be but as long as we got a brother and sister it's somebody working the path and walking the path with you it helps uh, you got some support mechanism to help you and i like seeing that yeah i think the with the with stood out to me, protect. I loved that quote about protection. Um, and, and yeah, this idea that we're the intersectionality that when I found out about that word, it was just, it was really powerful to me that other than human, you know, that's like, we're all human. And then we're a whole bunch of other things. And some of that crosses over and some doesn't, but we often share similar experience. Like we can all understand sadness. What makes you sad and what's made me sad could be different. 
but we understand that feeling. And so recognizing the togetherness in all of this and how we can support each other no matter what, you know, because we do have, right. have that commonality. So right. yeah, it was super powerful. Um, big thanks to um, Lucera and Olivia for being with us, for sharing their stories and for the commitment to make the industry better, just making it better, you know, for everyone. And I, and I love that. And I love the feeling of being able to go together on this journey and huge thanks to the listeners. Thank you for taking time to be with us. Um, and remember, we want to hear from you. There are things you're thinking about. There are things you feel like we should be talking about. Don't hesitate to reach out. Email say what. That's S-A-Y-W-A-T-T at electricaltrainingalliance.org. Our next episode will drop in July. Until then, you just stay connected with us through newsletters, blog posts, social media, through our podcast. Make sure to subscribe and stay powered up. We'll see you next time. Say what?